Hebrews 13, verse 20. The Bible says this, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, according, working to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Well, I want to kind of focus on that first part of verse 21 where it says, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Everybody say to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. You may wonder where I'm going from this passage of Scripture and then my title, but I, I want to... I want to preach from this subject today, shipwrecks and lighthouses. Yes, I've preached this message before. It's been a while back. But I want to endeavor to deliver what I feel like God placed on my heart this past week for today's service. Amen. Let's lift our hands and ask God to speak to our hearts today. Can we do that, Lord? We love you. God, I thank you for your grace and mercy. God, I pray that you would bind our hearts and our minds together, Lord. I pray, God, that somehow in this sanctuary today, Lord, you would allow me and give me the ability, God, to go through the things that you have to say. Lord, I want only your words to be spoken, God. I pray somehow, some way, Lord, that in our hearts and our minds that your word, God, would rest upon us. Lord, and that you, God, your word would be planted in fertile soil this morning. We thank you for it today. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, come on, let's worship the Lord in this house today. I magnify you, Jesus. I exalt your holy name today, Lamb of God. Oh, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. Amen. Just bear with me for a few moments. I'm going to endeavor, I'm going to go through some uh information here at the onset of this message, amen, I don't intend to be very long, amen, because I want the Holy Ghost to have its way, uh, I, want, I want the Holy Ghost to minister in this place, I know, I know that uh, we've had a visiting preacher for a while, and, and I know that we've had great church, and I believe we're going to have great church today, amen, but it's only going to depend on your response to the Word of God this morning, amen. We talked about here in our in our text that we, we we began with in Hebrews chapter thirteen verses twenty through twenty one. The Bible says, Now the God of peace that brought again the dead from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work. Everybody say he can make me perfect. Do you believe what you're saying this morning? Amen. He can make me perfect so that he can, I can do the work that he's calling me to. Amen. We talked about some of this this morning in our, in our Bible class. Amen. Again, I've said this is the dangerous thing where, where I'm teaching the Bible class and preaching at the same time. They kind of merge together in, in some areas. But 
I began to talk about how it is important that we allow the Holy Ghost to lead us and to guide us in all of our footsteps. Amen. It's important that we yield ourselves to Him and His call and His bidding. Amen. The Holy Ghost has great things in store for His people. Amen. But yet we have to yield ourselves willingly. Amen. My God will not force you to do anything that you don't want to do. Amen. I I want you to understand, if you don't want to do it, he's not going to force you to do it. But I can promise you this much, he'll find somebody to take your place. Amen. To to fulfill the will that he has. Amen. He needs accomplished in this day, in this hour. Amen. I long today to walk, amen, in, in his presence. Amen. But the main thing that I wanted to pull out this morning was, amen, I wanted to point out the fact that earlier today I began to talk about how that sometimes, amen, God, not sometimes, but every time in my own personal life, God has reached out to me and he's been calling me, amen, into his presence and into his work. Uh, he, he calls me to do his bidding. Amen. That's why he filled you with the Holy Ghost. That's why he asked, and that's why you're sitting on these pews this morning, because you heard the call of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He has been bidding you to do a work for the Lord. Amen. Sometimes it's easy for us to say, yes, Lord, and other times uh, we realize that there's going to be a cost associated, and so we drag our feet a little bit sometimes. I'm talking from experience, so if, if you let me say this, amen, maybe I'm Maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning, but uh, I can tell you this much, uh, amen, I I will say, when you hear a preacher really bearing down hard, amen, sometimes, guess what, he has to hear himself preach all the time, amen, he don't get to hear, he doesn't always get the luxury of having an evangelist for the last month, amen, but I can tell you this, sometimes you may wonder, well, I wonder why pastor's coming down so hard on such and such, and or whatever. I, I let me tell you something. Let me let you in on a little secret. Amen. When I'm bearing down on some things, some most of the time, and I'm being pretty harsh about it, um, because I'm talking to myself, and uh, I'm preaching to myself, and you get to listen in on that little session. Um, and if it touches you, well, thank God for that. Amen. But let me tell you something. I, I need somebody that's going to tell me straight what I, what I need to do. I need somebody that's going to say, hey, you, 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 you've been doing great, but listen, you've got to make some changes. You, you've got to do some different things. And so, amen, if I if I in, in this morning begin to uh, dig in hard, and I'm not planning to preach hard, I'm just letting you know, if, if, it, if I sound like I'm getting straight, maybe if you'll just pray for me, maybe I'm just preaching to myself today. Amen. Praise God. But I, 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 I began thinking sometimes, and throughout my life, I know this is how it's happened for me many, many times, and that is I got a hard head, and sometimes God has to shake me up and say, hey, boy, wake up. And uh, uh, you, you ever, you ever had, a, had somebody freaking out so much that, that you had to reach over and you, you got you to gotta smack them real hard or, or you got to shake them up real good and say, hey, stop. You need to wake up, man. You need to, you need to chill out. Say, well, why were you so rough with them? Because they were going to hurt themselves if they kept going down that path. Well, sometimes God has to do that to me. And I don't think I'm the only person he has to do that to sometimes. But I can tell you this much. When he's finished, I'm better for it. I'm better for it. And I know that he can, if, if he's got my attention then, I realize something. He loves me so much 
that he's willing to use whatever fashion or form of getting my attention, he's, he's going he's to use it. He's going to. Let me ask you, parents. Let me ask you, parents. How many of you enjoy spanking your, or disciplining your children? <laughs> you better not raise your hands. If you have, if that's enjoyable to you, I need to have a conference conference with you after church today. Amen. I don't like administering discomfort in my children's life. I don't like raising my voice. My kids are saying, "Are you serious?" Let me tell you something. If I know that it's going to get their attention and if I know that it's going to help them in the long run, I'm willing to do it. Amen. And God has set that example for us. And he said, I'm going to reach you with, your, with the goodness. And I, and I hope that my, my, my family and my, my children raise up and I, all I, I, I get to is just use the goodness. I get, to, I get to coach them into certain things. Amen. I hope that's the case, Brother Mendez. But, but sometimes it's not the case. And sometimes we have to get, get down and dirty and we have to we have, to have nice long conversations. And, and uh, you know, I, let me tell you something. Can I, can I make my kids uncomfortable for a minute? <clears throat> Amen. That's what happens when you're a PK, right? Um, no, they, my kids are wonderful children. And uh, I'll tell you this. I'm thankful for tender-hearted kids. I'm, I'm thankful for tender-hearted kids. And when I watch them and when I, and when I watch how they interact with me and, and their mother, and I realize, God, I pray somehow that that's how I react when you call on me. I, I want a ten, Sister Winnie, I want a tender-hearted response to the Lord. I don't want to be roughed around because I won't listen. I don't want, when I say roughed around, I'm not talking about abuse. All right, let me tell you something. If you wonder how I feel about discipline, let me tell you, it's really simple. There's one place on the, the entire body that God provided enough cushion to handle the board of discipline. They don't deserve they don't deserve a hand across the face. They don't deserve a punch. They don't deserve being demeaned. I'm about to put myself out on a limb, but have I ever called you kids stupid before? I have. Well, I'm sorry. <clears throat> let, let me tell you something. God wouldn't do that to you. So why would you do that to your children? It's not okay. And if we've done it in the past, like I said, I'm sorry, Camden, if I've called you stupid. Amen. It, it may have been in jest. I don't know. Sometimes we play around and we, we're, we're poking fun. But let me tell you, I, I don't believe I have any stupid children. That's me. I don't. I got the best children in the world. Just in case you're wondering, and they're angels. They have halos. 
But you know what's holding those halos up? I don't have to say it, I don't think. But they're, anyway, no, my, my kids are wonderful. But let me tell you something. I want, you guys are saying, well, why are we talking about children and, and, and child raising? Well, it's really simple. Because that's what we are to God. We are his children. That's what the scripture teaches us. And in order for us to grow in God, we've got to allow him to discipline us. And the scripture still teaches me that if you spare the rod, no, you don't just spoil the child. You hate your child. That's what the scripture says. That's strong language. But it is Bible. Now, spoil the child, that was, I don't remember who actually coined that phrase, but I don't know. I, I do think maybe it was Benjamin Franklin. It was, it was one, of our, one of the early fathers of, of the United States. But, but I want you to understand, it was coined based on the Scripture, but that statement is not absolutely accurate. If, if, if you don't discipline you are showing a sign that you hate those that you are required to discipline. So if God would to never discipline me, what would that say about God and how he feels about me? Does that mean I love discipline? No. And I want to get into this story because you'll see where I'm going. I'm not getting into some mucks and mires. I want you to understand I'm trying to get somewhere this morning. We as individuals, I don't know who I was talking to the other day. Don't remember. But we as individuals, we're, we're reactive. Very rarely do we as individuals, as human beings, are we proactive in life? Consider with me. And there's good reason, and I'm not putting down the fact that we are reactive. You guys understand what I mean by reactive? Anybody not understand what I mean by re reactive? Let me just go through this real quick. What I might mean by reactive, and you're going to see it in just a few minutes, we as individuals, we, life happens, and we react to what comes in life. Bad situations arise, we react to it. To be proactive would be to set things in motion to counter those things before they arrive in our life. Now, how are you, and, and, and this is one of the things I put in my mind, and I began thinking about this message, and as I began to think about this message, I began to, I begin to ponder, you know, how can I be proactive in every situation in my life? I can't. The answer is I can't. How can I? How do I know what's going to happen if a tornado comes? I don't know what's going to happen. I can be as proactive as I possibly can. I can build a shelter that will, will house my family that will be um, that they'll be safe in. Uh, I, can, I can proactively teach my children, hey, when you hear the sirens, we need to go to such and such a room in our home so that, and we need to go get the mattress and we need to get under the mattress so that we will be safe, right? That's proactiveness. But 
when it's all said and done, we have to react to the situation that we have found ourselves in. All right? Now, I'm saying all that because I want, I want to go through this uh, scenario here today. There was a storm, and I don't know exactly how to pronounce the storm's name, so we're just going to call it the Metapha, the Metapha storm. And this storm happened up in the uh, Great Lakes, and it was a very devastating storm. And so if you just bear with me, I want to run through this uh, depiction. I pulled this from uh, one of the historical resources that we have on the World Wide Web. And uh, I want to read this to you for just a moment. You just bear with me. The Matafa Storm or the Matafa Storm of 1905. It was the year 1905. Um, This occurred on the Great Lakes in November 27th and 28th of 1905. The system moved across the Great Basin with with moderate depth on November 26th and 27th, uh, then east and northeastward across the Great Lakes on November the 28th. Fresh east winds were forecast for the afternoon and evening of November 27th uh, with storm warnings in effect by the morning of November 28th. Storm force winds and heavy snows accompanied the cyclone's passage. I said cyclone's passage. Um, the storm, named after the, sto- the steamship Matafa, ended up being restro- destroying, ended up destroying or damaging about 29 vessels, killing 36 seamen and causing shipping losses of upwards of 3.567 million dollars in 1905 dollars. And this was on Lake Superior alone. At 5 o'clock in the afternoon on November 27th of 1905, the bulk carrier SS SS Matafa was on her way out of Duluth, loaded with iron ore and towing the barge James Naismith. She was hit by the storm, and though she struggled on for a short time, by the time she had reached two harbors, Minnesota, at 4 p.m. the next day, it was clear to her master, Captain R.F. Umble, that she could not make the run. He gave the order to turn about, and she turned her prow toward Duluth. As she approached the port, it became clear that it was useless to try to bring both steamer and barge through the narrow Duluth ship canal into the arbor. So that Captain Humble gave the order to cut James Naismith loose. Then Matafa attempted to make it into safe harbor alone. She made it about halfway between the two concrete uh, piers when a backwater surged out. Heavy water struck her stern, driving her prow down to the muddy bottom and then slammed her stern against the north pier. Her rudder tore off and the water pulled her her prow out toward the open lake, then smashed her stern against the south pier. She grounded in the shallow water outside the north pier where she broke in two, her stern settling slowly into the water. When the ship broke in two, 12 men were in the aft portion. Three of them struggled to the forward portion. The remaining nine remained aboard the after portion 
and died of exposure during the night. One of the bodies in the after half had to be chopped out of solid ice. Not trying to be too grotesque. I just want you to understand this was a bad situation. The 15 men in the fore half fared much better. Although rescue attempts were futile during the stormy night, the next day a small boat made it out and all 15 were taken off in two boatloads. The story that I told you about today was one of the most devastating storms in the Great Lakes. At this time of our history, we did not have a single lighthouse. I said not one single lighthouse had been yet erected on any of the shores, the northern shores, the southern shores, didn't matter what shore you're talking about, there was none built. We were there, I, I was it 2020, we, our family went on the northern shore, I think it was, and as we, we traveled up and down, we saw multiple lighthouses, and we stopped at a few of them, and it was, it was an enjoyable time with the family. But this is where this message was birthed, and I preached it uh, the last date I had on it was night was 2020. And as I began to go through this again, those lighthouses began to be erected for one reason. That was our way of proactively helping ships in future massive storms so that they would know where they were. The Matafa knew where she was. The Matafa was trying to get into where she could be safe, and they were doing the best that they could. But I, I tell you, had they had a lighthouse that day, they would have been able to see the different flows of the water from what I was reading and, and the different places where the, not just the piers but the barges or I don't know what you call them, the, they're, they're big old massive rocks that are under the water. And, and those big old massive rocks were what they actually made into a, a safe harbor. And you have to understand a safe harbor is, is the, the harbor is a place where the water is not nearly as rough and as rocky. And uh, if you can get in there, most of the time you're going to be all right. But they needed to be guided by the lighthouses. Letting them know, hey, this is treacherous territory over here. You need to stay out so far. And they would signal. They had signalmen in those. Uh, I don't want to bore you to death, but I just want you to understand there was a lot of information that I began to digest. And I was like, wow, this, is a, this was a huge undertaking. Amen. But they began to do it as a reaction from the, these major storms as they were, 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 were seeing many, many, many hundreds of people die almost every year until they began to put these, these lighthouses in place. As I begin to think of this shipwreck, I begin to think of another one that we can find in the Scripture. I don't want to take a lot of time. Amen. I encourage you to go home, Acts chapter 27 and 28. You can read of... Uh, the, the shipwreck that Paul was in, the one that everyone uh, has, that you can read about and, and you can find there in the scripture. But Paul's shipwreck, Paul's shipwreck ended up abandoning them upon a barbarous 
island. And God used it for good. But as you read through, and, and I think the, what actually got my mind rolling through this was because the other day I was talking to somebody on the phone at work, and they said something about, uh, they, they used a term, and there's a specific term that they use for lighting the ship. And, and, and as they, and you, you got to understand, when, when the ship is being uh, tossed to and fro, you have to make it lighter so that it doesn't set so low in the water so that it can be uh, more agile as it's going in the water. And so I'm, I'm not, I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting too much into the weeds, but I want you to understand as they begin to light the ship, Brother Tuffy lighting the ship, throwing stuff that you don't, you don't deem as, as valuable as your life, throwing all of it overboard just to, so that you can make it safely to the other side. That's what they were doing. In fact, some of them began to let down the lifeboats, which is, that's the safety mechanism, right? Let's get these little boats and let's get out there in the water. But you got to understand, they were in the midst of a hurricane. That's what they were in the midst of. And they were going to set little boats into a massive sea, amen, to try to save their own lives. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, if you react like you think you need to, amen, and, and, and uh, you're going to perish he said, but an angel of the Lord stood by me today. And this angel told me that nobody will lose their life if they'll stay on the ship. And I began to read this, this portion of Scripture, and I don't have much time. I'm, I promise I'm trying to wrap this up. But as they began to go, as I began to read through that again, I was reading it in the NIV and the NIV actually states that as they were running aground, they were tossing ropes and trying to keep the ship together with ropes. They were trying to keep their ship afloat with ropes. Man, that ship was falling apart. And as I began to think about that, then the song that we sang this morning came to my mind. The waves lashed my boat. It was falling apart. The wind said it's over. But the master said otherwise. You read of another portion of scripture where the disciples are at sea. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go and pray. I want you guys to get in the ship and go to the other side. You can find that in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32, and I'm not going to read all of it. But he constrained them. He said, get in there. Go get in that ship and go to the other side. And so they did. And Jesus is not in the ship with them, and they're up in the, he's up there praying, and they're out there in the ship. And no doubt these men are seasoned sailors. They were fishermen of by trade. And you got to understand, I believe, I'm saying this is my opinion, but I believe that these men, these disciples, looked at the skies and they could see the storm was coming. But yet Jesus was adamant, Brother Mendez, get in that boat and go to the other side. He, the Bible, the scriptures tell us he constrained them. He forcibly told them Get in that boat and get to the other side. 
And so they obeyed. You say, why would Jesus send them into the storm? It's because he was about to show them who had all power. They obeyed. Thank God they obeyed. They were in the midst of the sea when the worst of the storm came. They began to throw things overboard, and then the next thing, they look out on the sea, and they see something coming towards them. And they thought it was a ghost. And one thing that always stands out to me when I read this scripture, talking about Jesus, and it says, and he would have passed by them, but they called unto him. And they said, Jesus, Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, bid me to come. These men were well on their way to shipwreck. The Apostle Paul found himself in a shipwreck. We as individuals, we, we are reactive and we begin to say, all right, we don't want anything to happen to us like this again. And so we begin to be proactive in trying to put measures together that say, hey, I know if I put this here and if I do this over here, I'm not going to have as much of a problem the next time one of these storms show up. And that's commendable. But one thing I've come this morning to tell you about is the fact that, yes, we should and we could build lighthouses to help us, uh, amen, through the next storm or the, the next situation we find ourselves in, amen. It was because of the Matafa storm in 1905, amen, that there were some lighthouses that were built. And, yes, uh, there were some lives that were saved, uh, that were uh, that were given um, uh those those lighthouses credit, uh, amen. But let me tell you something, uh, amen. Sometimes, uh, no matter how much proactiveness we put together, amen, we we just cannot think of every scenario. And I wish I could remember who it was I was talking to, but that's what they told me. And I said, "That's exactly right." But I looked at him. I said, "But you got to understand." I know the one who does. I know him. He's my father. And I talk to him on a regular basis. And I began to think along the lines of, man, yeah, I can build lighthouses. Yeah, I don't like the things that I've been through in the past, but now it's time for me to build some lighthouses. I've been in a shipwreck or two. I've had a problem or two. But now it's time for me to build some lighthouses. And you say, Pastor, what is a lighthouse? Amen. What, how can we build a lighthouse uh, in our spiritual walk? Uh, let me tell you something. Every day that I spend time with my Father in heaven, uh, every moment that I can spend time in the Word of God, uh, amen, I'm building a lighthouse. Uh, I'm, I'm standing something up to saying, hey, uh, I know in whom I can turn to uh, when the winds begin to blow, when the, when the rains begin to fall, I know where my Father is, and I know if I can turn to Him, and I can see the light of His salvation, I know everything's going to be all right. 
Hallelujah. And so no matter how many shipwrecks I may have found myself in in my lifetime, no matter what I have found myself dealing with, uh, amen, throughout the decisions that I have made throughout my life, uh, what I'm trying to help us understand this morning uh, is there is one light uh, that will always shine through uh, no matter how dark the night. Uh, If we can just find uh, that one sliver of light, uh, amen, somewhere on the horizon, uh, amen, and we can recognize, uh, hey, that's the light of my Father's house. Uh, Let me get back to my Father's house. Uh, Amen. Let me find that place uh, where I can abide in His presence one more time. One more time. Hallelujah. We've got to have His help. We need His strength. We need His power. And the only way we can obtain that is through uh, the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Amen. We, We know that we can find the light. And can I tell you something today? God's looking for lighthouses to be built in each and every one of our lives. Because there are other people out there, Sister Winnie, that are out there on the seas. And they're going through some hurricanes and they're going through some some cyclones and they're having problems and they, they need to know where safety is. And that's how God begins to reach people. As we begin to erect lighthouses trying to help protect ourselves, let me tell you something. As we erect those lighthouses, we're not just affecting our own life, but we're affecting those that are around us. And they begin to see, oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. They begin to see where the light is shining. Amen. The only way that the light of heaven can shine into this world is through the hearts of the believers. Amen. That are filled with the Holy Ghost, that have been through a shipwreck two uh, so that we can reach out and say hey amen look uh, there's rocks over here steer clear of this area amen but let me help guide you into some safe safe waters uh, help me help let me help you guide you into the safe harbor that everything's going to be all right hallelujah Romans 8 and 28 says and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. Zechariah chapter number 4, verse number 8, sorry, verse number 6 said, Then he answered and spake to me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Amen. He said this, Not by might, nor by power, not but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Another passage said, Some depend upon chariots. Some depend upon horses. Amen. He said, Though my trust is in the Lord. Amen. My trust is in the Lord. I'm not trying to put my trust in things of this whole world. Amen. They fall. They they falter. They change on a regular basis. But one thing's for sure. Amen. My God changes not. My God is sure. My God is always there. Amen. Praise God. That's why. Amen. He longs to give to us the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
Amen. Let me tell you something. If you don't have hope and you know people that don't have hope, uh, amen, let me give you a couple of scriptures as I close today. Amen. Somebody come to the music. Uh, Amen. As as I begin to close this one today, I want you to realize your lighthouse, uh, that that thing, those experiences that that you've gone through. uh, Let me tell you, my friend, uh, I know maybe they weren't pleasant, uh, but let me tell you, God lets you go through it. uh, Amen. So that you can help uh, build a lighthouse in your life that's going to direct somebody else uh, to the safe uh, harbor of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Romans 15 and 13 says this. To those that are hopeless, now the God of hope. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost, my friend, that's going to give you the power. And I close with this mess, this passage tonight. If we can stand to our feet. Hebrews chapter number 13, verses 20 and 21 says, Now the God of peace that brought again the dead, our Lord Jesus, from the dead, the, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Oh, thank God. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and forever and ever. Amen. If you didn't get anything else I talked about today, I want you to grab a hold of what I'm about to say this morning. I know life's not always easy. And I know that many times we find ourselves up against a hard time. But don't be discouraged because he is with us. And you may just open your eyes and look up out onto the the waves that are all around you. And you may just find that one who can save us. But let me tell you something, he'll pass you by. I said he'll pass you by if you don't call on his name. Whether it's a whisper, whether it's crying from the depths of your belly saying, God, I need you. Jesus, I'm right here. Or if all you can get out is just Jesus. He hears our cry every single day, every single time that we call upon him. It not only gets his attention, but all of heaven stands still and says, Hey, somebody's calling on the master right now. We need to be attentive to the voice of the master at this moment. And the next thing we see is uh, Jesus is on the ship uh, and the waters are calm and I'm on the other side of the sea uh, and everything's all right uh, because he said, peace, be still. Maybe I'm just, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I know this much. I have had this burden all week and it's been eating me alive. 
And I want to help somebody understand, look, God's got everything under control. Just turn to him and cry out to him this morning. Hear me today as I have tears in my, my eyes and my heart is crying out. Why don't you turn to the master this morning? Because when he begins to speak into your life, the storms, they never they don't have any control anymore. They have to go away. They have to disappear. When the master says, enough, the storm's got to go. If you want to talk to the Lord this morning, these altars are open. I'm, I'm, in, I'm 